Hi. You know who I am. I'm Daniel. And I'm Nathan. And we thought we might try these podcasts while going a little deeper into the Word, uh, especially follow, following up on our sermons. So this might have been your idea. I don't know either. Probably a brainstorming session that we had together. So Right. So for the purposes of these videos, you can call us the uh, kings of deepness because that's where we're going. We're going to be very profound. Oh, that's official? Yes. Kings the kings of, of deepness. deepness. Hmm. I, I think so. I like it. Anyway. So we, uh, yesterday, looked in our sermon in James chapter 1, a, a great passage. And why don't we start by, uh, you want to read that in, in the NIV, please? Sure. So we're in James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 16 through 25. Sorry. That's all right. I wonder if that might be an issue if we have to do any cutting. Whatever. Okay. So I'm going to read from James chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. It says, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Good stuff. So since I preached, uh, Nathan's going to kind of ask most of the questions. Now, this Sunday you're preaching, so we'll do role reversal next week. Sure. So um, lay some questions on me as we to get us started here. Yeah, so a wealth of wisdom. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if everybody had the chance to check out your sermon, but why don't you... Maybe just start by giving an overview of your, your main idea and any, any kind of main points. Sure. One of the things I felt God prompted me about this year was to really challenge us as a people and as individuals to go deeper in the Word. And so we started with a sermon on Psalm 1 about blessed is the, is the man who meditates on the Word day and night. And they're like a tree planted by rivers of water. And, and then last week, Dave Taylor spoke, so that was kind of interruption in the theme, although it was very worthwhile. This week is picking up on that with kind of a New Testament look at why it's so important to meditate upon the Word. And I guess the uh, the main things we brought out were that to do this, our, our stance, our posture, our attitude has to be, I, I think I described it as being um, not a proud talker, but a humble listener. Uh, listening to other people instead of just spouting our own opinions, but then also, and more particularly, listening to the Word. And then we talked about three particular ways that James emphasizes we do that, to humbly receive the Word. We have to, um, we have to look at it intently. 
So again, kind of like Psalm 1, meditating on it. We have to continue to do this, so not just once a week or once a month. And then we have to obey it. We have to respond to it. Right, yeah. And I, th I think that that first point, listening humbly, is, is a key to this. Uh, it's that I really like. I was challenged in a class or in a book that I read or something like that, that in listening to people to listen to what they say, not just listen to respond. And, and I feel like yeah. in listening to, to people to try to understand them is kind of the same way that we, we interact with the Word of God. We listen to understand what it says, not because we have our own ideas and we want to put ourselves over the Word of God, but because the Bible is greater than us. It speaks truth into our lives. And, and like James is saying, it's a mirror that can reflect the way that we need to change or we need mm -hmm. to grow and it can help us. Right. Um, so how, how can we, how, how is it that we humbly accept this word that's planted in us if it's already in us? Yeah, that's one of the questions I began thinking through as I'm reading through this. All right, so James is using a word implanted, which you would usually use of taking a seed and putting it in the ground because you're hoping to grow a crop. So it's an implanted word, it's already within us, but then he says, receive it. And so maybe, you know, it's kind of pushing the metaphor a little bit is, you know, no metaphor is perfect. I think what he has in mind is that we are to receive it in the sense of welcoming its effect and presence in our life. And so it's not something that's just there, but it's something we choose to interact with. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the gift that's wrapped. You don't really get to experience that gift until you unwrap it. Right. And you've been using these great analogies that you've given me props for, <laughs> but they're, they're not mine. They come from a, a book on spiritual disciplines by Don Whitney uh, called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life or Spiritual Practices for the Christian Life or something like that. But um, one thing, another analogy that he gives in meditating is like rainfall that just, I mean, a downpour, a quick super hard downpour that pours on hard ground maybe that it's been uh, you know the ground's been in drought and if that ground is so hard it's just going to run off the water mm -hmm. that comes down if it doesn't matter how hard it comes down but if it only comes down for 30 seconds it's just going to run off yeah a flash flood or whatever but uh he talks about meditation and uh being a way that we can humbly accept the word of god when we allow it over time to allow that rain to fall on the, the, the hard soil of our hearts, it can change us if we if we keep putting that in front of ourselves. And Yeah. Yeah, that analogy or that illustration reminds me of when we were in Israel. Um, there was great danger. And they had signs posted in our guide. You had to be careful because you could be in a, in a region that was so arid and dry, you would think, you know, there's no danger of any flooding around here at all. Mm -hmm. um, but actually the opposite was true because if you did have a hard rain, the ground being so hard normally, that would create a flash flood, especially if you're in, in mm -hmm. an area with a ravine or something. Uh, because the ground wasn't absorbing it. It was, it was just flowing off of it. That's, that's so interesting. And I think that that really speaks to what you've been trying to get at, what you've been getting at with, hey, the Word of God is something that we should be kind of flooding our hearts with constantly through the practice of meditation. Yeah. And I've seen the pictures that you've posted of Israel, and though I've never been there myself, 
a lot of those pictures, unless they're by a river or by a sea, it's just, I mean, I remember the first time I saw it and it was so surprisingly barren. Yeah. It was just so dry. And I think that that speaks to the truth of how our hearts can be if if we hear it, you know, once a year or once a month or even once a week. Yeah. I mean, if it's nourishment, if it's nourishment for our bodies, just like we don't eat a meal once a week and expect to be good until the next week. It's that constant kind of feasting on it throughout the day. Um, I think that gets to the heart of wanting to allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts, penetrate our hearts and nourish our nourish our spirits. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> one thing I noticed in in reading this in the different translations, uh, we read from the NIV, and it, it talks about looking intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And in, in looking at the ESV, which is, seems to be a little bit more literal, it says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, um, and perseveres, you know, whatever. What I'm, what I'm getting at is, one says, the NIV says, looks intently, and the ESV says, looks. And so I'm wondering why the NIV maybe added that adverb um, and and if that more gets to the original language, or what do you make of that difference? Yeah, I'm glad they did. Because, um, well, you can translate that word to just be look. It is a more intensive word that's normally used. So like in the verse before that, the man who looks in the mirror, that's actually a different Greek word. So when he talks about looking intently into the word, it's true he only uses one word. He doesn't use an adverb intently. Um, but it is a different verb. It's a, it's a verb that is more like examine. So, uh, in fact, literally it means to bend over or stoop. And it's what Mary is described as doing when she looked at the tomb of Jesus. She's trying to figure out what happened. Or in First Peter 1, um, it talks about how the prophets would examine intently to see what they prophesied about, was how that would come about. And, uh, and it says even angels long to look into these things. So it wasn't a, a passing glance. So yeah, even though you can translate it as just look, the meaning is to look intently. And I think that's what you'll see with the NIV is that they will often go with the meaning more than just a, a more literal translation. So you see that also, I mean, this. some people might find this interesting. That, that phrase, law of liberty, in the Greek, it's just that, the law of liberty. It's a what you call a genitive. And so it shows a, a relationship between law and liberty, but it doesn't specify that out. So usually in English, if you just want to have that relationship, but it's not specified, you'd say of. But what does it mean? It's a, the law that uh, creates liberty, the law that owns liberty or is owned by liberty, the law that comes from liberty or liberty that comes from the law. So what the NIV will do in most of those is they will take what they feel in context is the best meaning of that and they'll put it in. So the law that brings liberty, which I think is right. Whereas the ESV will leave it more generic, the law of liberty. And you see the same thing in um, verse 20. The righteousness, man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. All right, so again, in the Greek, it's just a genitive, righteousness, God, with a, a way of 
putting the letters um, that shows you that they're, they're in that genitive relationship. And the ESV is going to leave it that way. Um, man's righteous, man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Whereas the NIV is going to tell you what they feel as the meaning, the, the righteous life that God desires or the righteous life that God wants for us. Hmm. Are there other places other than those few examples that you gave where you think that one translation serves the meaning a little bit better that you can think of? Well, in this passage, probably the other thing you'll notice is that the, um, the ESV is going to err, when you come to gender-specific pronouns, uh, they're going to err on the side of keeping those gender-specific, whereas the NAV is going to um, focus on being more inclusive. So very often, I think in this passage, you'll see sometimes the ESV translates a man who does this, and the e or NIV will say the person or anyone who does mm -hmm. this. So that that's probably the other thing you'll see here. But that idea that the NIV will focus more on the meaning rather than bring it across the, the bare uh, word order and words, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see that again and again in the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that in verse 19 and 20. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, but it's, it seems like the original meaning may not have just been for men. Right. Uh, and the NIV says, Hey, my dear brothers. Well, it doesn't say hey. It says, My dear brothers and sisters. Um, and then I also like that it yes. says in verse 20, in the NIV it says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Versus, uh, yes, he says, the anger of man right. does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And yeah, good men example. aren't the only ones that get angry, mm -hmm. necessarily. So. <laughs> yeah, obviously, at this point, he's not saying men as opposed to women. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Greek language, you know, it was just a much more inclusive term than it may come across in English these days. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, one of the questions that we, that we discussed in our life groups after church. Uh, the three points that you had were that we, we ought to be looking intently into the Word and doing that consistently, and then also being obedient to do what it says. And I just kind of wanted to hear personally, and I'll share some too, um, which of those three seemed to come to you the, the easiest, and then after that I'll ask which, which one seems to be the most difficult. Okay. Well, for me, out of those three, looking intently, as opposed to simply reading it, uh, probably comes the easiest to me. So I'm very naturally curious, okay, why does he say it this way instead of this way? Why does he use this word? Um, so I, I'm more kind of naturally curious, and that comes pretty easy to me. Whereas reading long stretches of, of scripture at a time is more of a chore for me. So that's the easiest part. Probably the hardest part is doing it consistently. Uh, the idea of making that a daily thing um, because it takes time. And it takes, um, it takes carving out that time to really engage with it and, uh, and giving myself to that. And, and you know how it is. It's easy. Something comes up in the morning you're looking at your email. Someone sent you a text. And even if I want to spend time in the, in the Word that morning, um, it's easy to let that slip. And then usually, if I do later on, I don't get it back. So that's the most mm -hmm. difficult for me. How about you? 
Yeah, before I do that, just one quick question. When you're looking intently at the Word, are there, are there tools or resources that you have found uh, particularly helpful? Maybe a commentary or a study Bible or software or uh, even community doing that with other people throughout, throughout the years, not necessarily right now in your life, but are there tools that you found that you add into your, your time to help you do that? Yeah, I think one of the best things that helps understand is having a good study Bible. So the NIV study Bible and the ESV study Bible both have really good notes to help you understand why Paul might have said it this way or, or something. But I think the, uh, the main thing that helps is asking God to show you hmm. and then reading through it again and again, even orally. So from what I understand, people in the ancient Jewish world when they would meditate on scripture, they would they would speak it out again and again, whereas we normally just read it. I'm not saying we have to, but it often is very helpful. Hmm. And then the other thing I, I like to do is, um, I like to diagram, like if I have a passage like this, or even a verse, so I'll write it down and then I'll have the subclauses there. And I don't do the full grammar sentence structure like some of us may remember doing, but it's just a visual diagram of the, how the thoughts go together. And then that helps me kind of visualize and ask questions more. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I think, I think that's interesting speaking it out. I, I didn't know that they would speak it out like that. But it makes sense uh, in seasons when I've been really consistent about trying to memorize scripture. Right. I think speaking it out is more helpful than just reading it a bunch of times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for, me, for me, I think... I'm very much a routine guy, and so the consistently piece of it, I think maybe the, the easiest, um, as I was reflecting on this in life group though, and, and, and somebody else mentioned something similar to this, I'm thinking about, okay, is it that I love the Word of God or that I just love the rhythm yeah. of, of my morning? You know, I do mine in the morning, you don't have to do it in the morning, but I happen to have mine in the morning with a cup of coffee, sitting on the couch, and I've got a recliner, so I put my, my feet up, and I've got uh -huh. a blanket. And I, I love that that rhythm, um, and and I've been pretty consistent uh, lately, although there are seasons when it's more, more difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the intently piece might be the piece that I struggle with the most. Um, I think it's easy to just kind of read to read and I think that there's something that can be gleaned from that. Um, as I was thinking about this, I, I uh, went back and reread that piece in the, in the Don Whitney book that yeah. was referenced earlier. That's a great quote. Yeah, he says, uh, um, let me find this real fast. You know, he's talking about meditating and lingering in the Word of God, and he uses that great illustration that you gave about lingering by a fire and letting it, just like we would let the fire on a really icy day warm our skins and our muscles and warm us to the bones, and then we're warm instead of just walking by. Um, he, he kind of uses that as an illustration of lingering in the Word of God. And he says, The failure to linger is the reason why many fail to remember 
or find their hearts warmed by the fire of God's word. It takes their eyes about two seconds to go past the fire of one verse in the chapter they're reading for the day. Then it takes their eyes two more seconds or so to read the over verse two, and then another two seconds as their eyes go past verse three, and so on and so on until they finished. It doesn't matter how many of those two second episodes you have, you'll rarely remember or be moved by something you look at for only two seconds. Uh, he says, thus the problem is probably not your memory or the coldness of your heart, but your method. Mm. So why don't you remember what you read in the Bible? Could it be that you simply do not let your mind linger over something you've read? And why does the intake of God's word often leave us so cold and seem to produce so little success in our spiritual lives? Puritan pastor Thomas Watson has the answer. He says, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. And, and I found in times when I feel more cold, even though I'm having that rhythm, mm-hmm. it's that time is not successful. Maybe I'm reading too much or, um, you know, whatever it, whatever it may be, not giving myself enough time to properly let that happen. Um, but it's hard. I'm still learning so much about how to just kind of sit and rest. And one, one thing that I think I'm learning a lot too is how, how much prayer is important in it. Yeah. Like you mentioned, one of the tools or one of the things that we can do is just ask God to help us in that time. Yeah. And that's the kind of prayer he will answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, are there any pieces that you wish, uh, or would have liked to have been able to share, but maybe didn't have the time, or it didn't didn't flow. But as you're studying the scripture, any pieces that you that you uh, want to share, you can share now. Um, not a lot. I you know sometimes I do come away thinking, oh man, I should have emphasized this more. Uh, I think there is one thing, and that is the idea that meditation is the way that we remember. And what I mean by that is if you do read the scriptures, you'll see time and time again, God tells his people, don't forget, but remember. Remember what I am or who I am, what I've done for you. Remember your past. Remember the, the Lord your God. So how do you remember the Lord your God? And it's not just an act of saying, well, I have a good memory or a bad memory, um, but rather engaging, setting aside a time to engage in God's word is I think how we remember what God has done for us, mm-hmm. who he is, and, and what our response to that should be. So that idea of remembering, to me, flows into this idea of meditating on the word. To me, that seems like probably the number one way to actually practice remembrance. Yeah, and that can grow your relationship with him, too. I mean, I, I, I thought of an illustration as you were, as you were speaking that... Um, Sometimes, just periodically, I like to go back through my old journals and um, remember particularly the season when I was dating Abby mm-hmm. and uh, leading up to our wedding day and then um, some journals from the honeymoon period and then early on the sweet times when we were moving. Um, but particularly the, the wedding day, how wonderful of a time that was. And uh, there is a way in which reading over that and just kind of remembering that warms my heart towards mm-hmm. her and it's really really sweet And so I love doing that or 
you know, on uh, anniversaries or something, we'll, we'll bring out old notes or journals. Yeah. Or, and, and it's a very sweet way of remembering um, just how good those times were and, and our love for each other and all that. And I think that, you know, the Bible is, in a sense, a love letter. Um, it's God demonstrating his purposes among us and how he's bringing us back to himself and right. redeeming us and reconciling the relationship through Jesus. And so uh, reading it like that, but taking the time to really think about who God is through that and meditating on that, I think is, is a good practice for me to grow in. And yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks for, thanks for sharing more about that sermon and your thoughts along that. Yeah. My pleasure. Hope it's helpful to some people. And I, I, by the way, as we kind of wrap up, that idea, that quote from that book, uh, very often the problem isn't our heart, it's our method. And that's a word of hope. Because yeah. we may feel, oh man, there's something wrong with me. You know, I read the word, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't change me at all. And, and it's not so much that, you know, we're just bad people or simple people. It's just that maybe we haven't learned the right method of interacting with the word of God on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's I think, a good reminder because meditation is, is one method. Sometimes the greatest contributor to being able to do that is carving out the time, I feel like. Sure. And um, so one way that we can, you know, help ourselves grow spiritually fresh and allow the Holy Spirit to interact with us in more deep ways is through clearing our schedule mm-hmm. or trying to get into habits of, you know, the pocket of 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and that's, that's good because those, those disciplines can lead our hearts in a way. Yeah. Um, so those are the, they're easy things that, I mean, not necessarily easy things, but things that we can do. They're conceptually easy. They may not be easy to actually exactly, exactly. do. Change is hard. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but there are ways in which we can, we can work out our schedules or, or um, carve out time. There are things that we can actually do, I think. Right. Uh, which is which is good. Yeah. And it might be simply listening to a podcast on our commute or, or in the mornings when we're getting up, putting on some worship music. Or, you know, the there are lots of apps that will read the Bible to you and you can read that same chapter again and again or whatever. But that idea of we'll probably have to change our habits and maybe even put something off or put something away, something that we spend our time on. So maybe we spend uh, an hour a night on our phone um, surfing or playing games or something else and recognize, okay, I'm going to do half of that so I can spend a half hour each day meditating and reading on the Word. Yeah. And I like I like what you said about you know podcasts and songs and other things. There are other ways that we can chew on God's words. Um, other than just sitting and reading, if reading is difficult. This week, we did Show Us Christ for special music. And as I was listening to that and preparing, that song has really spoken to me in a way that, you know, song, songs haven't spoken to me in a while. God, prepare your people for the preaching of your word. And um, just lines like that where it's talking about humbly accepting mm-hmm. that word, help, it, help that seed bear fruit. Um, just kind of the same imagery of what yeah. you were preaching on, but other ways in which we can just intentionally put it in front of our faces and, and think about it, and, and allow God's word to med- uh, to penetrate our hearts. 
And we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. We'll have a big uh, announcement for the church here in a, in a week or two uh, that will be helpful in this regard. So, Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. Bye.